this next song the youth taught us last week, uh, Your Will Be Done. So please sing along with us. Jesus. 
morning. How's everybody doing? One of you's doing good. The rest of you, not so sure. It's Valentine's Day. Maybe you were not treated very well this morning. Who, who knows? Well, good morning and welcome to Northside Baptist Church. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're delighted to have you as our guest. We want to encourage you any way that we can. We want to pray for you, want to minister to you, reach out to you uh, any way that we can. And one way uh, that you can help us do that is inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. There's also a place for prayer requests. You can tear that off. And there is a, uh, a box, if you want to call that, out in the foyer that has a nice stand uh, now, thanks to Carrie Beard. Am I like echoing and all kinds of stuff going on here? Um, and so thank you very much to him. So before I pray, let me just praise God for a moment. Uh, you guys know I wasn't able to be here last week. Landon started running a fever, and thankfully it was just a bug, which a year ago would have been normal. But in these days, you begin to panic. Um, and so thankfully he was okay, but we were not able to be here. So I just want to praise God. Last Sunday morning was phenomenal. Amen. Um, and it was amazing. From our, our students teaching Sunday school to those who were involved back in the sound booth or up on stage, the praise team sounded phenomenal. Uh, Isabella did an amazing job with her testimony. Uh, Sean reading scripture. Um, others who were involved. And then my man Alex back there bringing the word of God. So... Thankful for his willingness to get up here. Uh, it's not easy, and uh, you're nervous, but the longer he started talking, the more comfortable he got, and he got in his element. And so thank you, Alex, for your faithfulness to do it, but also to study. Uh, you came prepared, and you brought a challenging word, and uh, I thank you for that. Um, also, special thanks to, to Pastor BJ. Uh, I texted him after the service. Now, what I saw... I believe is fruit of his faithful ministry to our students uh, these past um, these past almost now eight years. And I've sat in on some of their Zoom meetings on Wednesday nights, and he's not giving fluff. I mean, he's challenging them, like working through the book of what was it? Where you got Habakkuk? Is that, like he's challenging them to go deep into the Word of God and to be discipled uh, and to be disciples. And so I'm thankful. For that, I also want to praise God this morning for, for Curtis and Ann. This Tuesday is 18 years of their faithful ministry here at Northside. So, so thankful for you all. Praise God for your faithfulness here for 18 years and also just your faithfulness to serve our Savior in ministry. We love you guys and we're very thankful uh, for that. Uh, let me lead us in a time of prayer. Um, and then after we pray, Curtis is going to come and we're going to sing uh, him together. Father, we, we celebrate because you are still king. We celebrate because you are a God who is still on the throne. And oh God, how we need to be reminded of that. Lord, we just sang, your will be done. Lord, it's easy to utter those words. It was easy to sing those words this morning, but oh God, I pray that that is the desire of our hearts, that your will indeed would be done, even, Father, when your will is not our will. Even, Father, when, 
what happens in our life is not what we had hoped, planned, or expected. Oh God, would you lead us to a place of faith and trust where we know, God, that you know best for us. Father, thank you for the work that you are doing here at Northside. God, I believe that you're on the move, and I believe you are doing things, God, that cannot be stopped. Not only here, Lord, but I even believe you're doing that in our city, in the state, in the country, and in the world. Lord, I thank you that though we're living in difficult days, last week we saw a glimpse, God, of not only the future, but I believe of today. These young men and women who love Jesus Christ, who are willing to sing of His name boldly, declare His name boldly in Sunday school or from this pulpit, Lord, their willingness to serve, their willingness to step out in faith and to be used by You as a blessing and encouragement to all of us. And Lord, I pray that, that we were reminded of that in difficult days. Father, I thank You for Curtis and Ann and their faithful ministry here. Lord, continue to use them for Your glory as they lead us every week in the great privilege and blessing we have of singing praises to You. Father, I pray this morning specifically for Pastor BJ as he's going to open the Word of God and, and preach from Your Word as we continue in this series called Be the Church. As we talk this morning about becoming, what it looks like to become more like Christ and how we, we apply that to our life. And so, Father, I pray the Spirit of God would just speak boldly through BJ, that the Spirit of God would speak clearly. Lord, that we would receive the Word and would be transformed through that very word that we received this morning. Thank you, Father, for the sweet fellowship that exists here at Northside. May we continue to love one another, serve one another. May we continue to model the love of Christ. Father, we stand upon a firm foundation. And Lord, as we sing the, the words of this next song, Lord, may we just be reminded of the gospel truth that we stand upon, that we stand upon the rock who is Jesus Christ. And though everything else is sinking, shifting sand, Lord, we can stand firmly upon that foundation that is Jesus. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us again? All 
sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its close that soul So we'll go. 
young people up here, isn't it? And I, their legacy of faith shines forth every time they come to sing. Let's stand again as we sing. Heavenly Sunlight. Walking in sunlight all of my journey Over the mountains, through the deep vale Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee Promise divine that never can fail Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight Flooding my soul with glory divine Hallelujah, I am rejoicing Singing his praises, Jesus is mine Kelly, I don't know how you held that together, singing that song with your daughters up here. Man, fantastic. Um, just reminded that uh, as, as, as Paul encouraged Timothy, we find faithful men that we teach, and then they teach generations and generations to come. Um, man, what a, wonderful, what a wonderful start to our worship this morning. So, as you may be aware, we are in this series called Be the Church, be the church. We um, have these four ideas that, that we think are important to be the church. Believe correctly that we belong to the church. And today we'll look at what it means to become like Christ and uh, to also bless our world. Now, this is just a tool. Um, I, don't, I don't know that uh, you will find a verse of Scripture that has these four uh, words listed out in them, but uh, this is just a tool uh, to help get us all on the same page and thinking strategically about church. There are other tools out there as well. Maybe you're familiar with the baseball diamond, um, uh, membership, maturity, mis uh, ministry, and mission. That's, uh, uh, that's from Saddleback and, and Rick Warren. Uh, another one is, is the different rooms of a house. You have the foyer, which is very welcoming. Uh, then you have the, the living room where you come in and, and sit and fellowship and get to know each other. But eventually you, you're moving to service. You, you move into the kitchen. And that's where the real uh, work happens. And um, that, that's, that's one that comes from uh, Andy Stanley. He uses that one, the different rooms in a house. Um, 
And so we're just looking at, at this today to, to be the church. Again, it's just a tool to help us get, uh, you know, all of us on the same page. And so with that, uh, I, I believe that uh, we want to open in a word of prayer and just, just ask God to, to continue to bless today. And so if you will, join me as we pray. Father, as we come here into your house and we open up your word I pray that everything that happens today is an overflow of what you have already been doing in our lives. That this past week we have spent time with you in your word, spent time with you in prayer, spent time with other believers in fellowship and encouraging each other. And today as we have gathered here that our worship is just an overflow of of what you have done and, and who you are and we are celebrating you. And Father, as we open up your word, I pray that it goes forward to accomplish your purposes. So speak now, for your children are listening. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When, when I turned 21 years old, I remember it was over a weekend. It was over Thanksgiving weekend. I walked into uh, my place of business. I, I worked with an electrical contractor in Macon, Georgia. I walked in on Monday morning, and he said, didn't you have a birthday over the weekend? And I thought, oh, man, this is really nice. My boss is remembering my birthday. And I said, I did. He said, 21? I said, yes, sir. He said, good. Here's the keys to the truck. You can drive on our insurance now. I need you to go pick up something. And so uh, I was like, all right, well, wonderful. And so, um, but as I started to walk out, he said, now you do know how to drive a stick shift, right? And I said, yeah, I do. Um, And so um, I got out to the truck and I, you know, Unlocked the door, got in the driver's seat, and started to back out. I put it in reverse, started to back out, and uh, couldn't even get out of the parking spot. And I said, oh, man, I hope nobody is looking around. Uh, I hope nobody can see this. I tried again. I couldn't even get out of the parking spot. I closed my eyes. I said, Lord, I know how to drive this truck. I don't know what's going on. I need some help. (laughs) I opened my eyes, and as soon as I opened my eyes, I saw this red light that said, brake! I released the brake, and I drove the truck, and it was, I got it, yeah. It was was fantastic, and um, I mean, it was, it it became like, oh, this this makes sense now. Um, And I I tell you that because... um, Sometimes we can have in our mind how something should operate, but until we do it, we haven't really learned it well. I mean, that that can translate into so many different things, but I want to talk to you today about what it means to to be the church, what it means to become like Christ. And and before I really get to that that point, I I feel like I need to give a little bit of of background. Because you might say, well, why do we need to become like Christ? What what are you talking about? So let's let's look at that. I'll, I'll try to move through this fairly quickly. But the mission of what we do as a church uh, we don't really have to go looking for that, or to, we don't really have to go to create that. It's already been given for us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is why we do what we do as a church. Uh, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, I'll look at verse 20, and I, I, I go back up and, and, I, and I see this here. Um, all right, so we're, we're to teach. So what are, what are we to teach? And so I begin to think about all the, all the commands of Christ, and, and I look this up. I don't know if you know this. This is at least one resource. I found that there are 1,050 commands in the New Testament alone. Anyone here uh, can quote all of those? Anybody? Okay, good. I didn't think I didn't want to be the only one that couldn't do that. All right, but but it says the commands of Christ. So there's at least by one account there's forty nine commands of Christ. My goodness. And then you might say, yes, but Pastor BJ, Jesus himself was asked about all the commandments, and he summarized those. He said the greatest commandment. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like it. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you know that, I would say, good job. You can get a cookie. You know, one of those little butter cookies you can put on your finger and have a glass of Kool-Aid because those kids in the nursery know that too. And so I don't mean to make light of that situation. I'm telling you, that, that, that's good. That's good. But, but. That I think there's more. Even if we did know that, even if you did all the, uh, know all the thousand commandments in the New Testament, I think according to the, to the Great Commission here, even if you could recite all of those, it would still miss the point. It would still miss the point. Knowing and teaching all the commands still misses the point. Because listen, in obedience to the Great Commission... We're not to teach everything that Jesus has commanded. Rather, we are to teach observance of everything that Jesus has commanded. In other words, I would rather know someone who is knowing and doing one thing right than someone who knows a lot but is not living it. We need to teach observance of the things that Jesus has commanded. And so I... I've shared before, I've, I've been Southern Baptist all my life. I'm familiar with the Great Commission. But for me personally, for so long, I missed that little word, observe. Or maybe the, ver the, the, the version of Bible you have says obey, or even to follow. That's what we're to do, to teach people to observe those things that Jesus has commanded, to obey those things. And so that is more than an intellectual exercise. Okay. So, so that's our, that's our mission. And, and part of what we're going to be talking about today comes out of that mission that we're to teach everything that we're to teach observance of everything that Jesus has commanded. All right. So, so the, the vision of, of, of what this entails, if you will turn to Luke chapter three, Luke chapter, oh, excuse me, Luke chapter six, Luke chapter six, Beginning in verse 39, Jesus uh, begins to tell a parable. Very, very short parable, by the way. Luke 6, 39 says this. He also told them a parable. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is, listen, fully trained will be like his teacher. Everyone who is fully trained, that, that phrase, is fully trained, is really one word 
in the Greek, and I practiced this several times this week. I don't know if I can get it right or not, but katertismenos, katertismenos. And if it's not right, you can, let, you can tell me later. I'm sorry. All right. But it's, it's one word in the Greek, and it means this, to be made or become ready, suitable, or equipped in advance for a particular purpose or for some use or event. To be made ready or to be made suitable. See, sometimes I think that one of the reasons that we as, as, as church members, that we as disciples, don't do all the things that God has called us to do is because we think that we're not ready. That we think we don't know all of the answers. But now, let me ask you, when, when someone... When someone graduates from college or when someone completes basic training, they've been made ready. They don't yet know everything that there is to know, but someone has conferred on them the graduate status to say, you're ready now to go into battle or you're ready now to go into business, that you, you have what it takes. Sure, there's a lot more that you could know, and that can come later, but you're ready now to engage in, 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 in business or engage in, in the battlefield. And so I, I think of this like that. It's not the same thing. This fully trained is not the same as fully developed. In fact, when I say to become like Christ, I want to be clear. We do not become like Christ in every possible way. That's actually a teaching of a cult. We do not gain God's status but that's not what it means when we say to become like Christ. But there are some things that we can do because he says himself that the student becomes like the teacher. He's fully trained. And so a disciple maker doesn't need, listen, a disciple maker doesn't need to teach a disciple all that they could know, but rather all that they should know. If I were to, to, to take on the burden of teaching all that someone could know, especially when you're talking about spiritual matters, when you're talking about an infinite God, that is a futile exercise. There's no way. It's inexhaustible. There's no way I could teach all that you could know. And so that's not necessarily what we're after. We're after being fully trained, not fully developed. I, I hope that makes sense. Fully trained is, is simple. Fully developed is futile, if not foolish. So then, having just laid a general background, let me say this. We are to teach others to observe the commands of Christ. You catch that? We're to teach others to observe the commands of Christ so they become fully trained disciples. I think based on these two texts, we, we, we can say that. That when we talk about becoming like Christ, that's what we're after. We're to teach observance. And so um, I, I'm not, I, I've taken just one or two little 
courses on, you know, how people learn and, and, and education and that kind of thing. I'm not an expert on it, but I do know this. There are different methods of teaching, different methods of learning. There is lecture. That's one method where you just share a whole lot. But there's also, there's, people also learn um, by visual aid. People learn by doing things. I, this is why I shared about driving the truck. You know, I could read a manual on how to drive that 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 manual truck, but um, until I got in the seat and, and, and tried to drive it, there was, there was still some learning that needed to take place. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about sharing your testimony, and then we took time for people to actually share their testimony with others. So we need to have this, it's like lab work, that we need to do these things. Read through the gospel narratives. You see, Jesus did this all the time. He would tell his disciples something. He would send them out. Sometimes they were successful. Sometimes they came back and said, what are we doing, Jesus? And he would explain, okay, you're learning. Let me teach you a little bit more. But it's, it's, it's lab work. So we teach others to observe the commands of Christ so that they become fully trained disciples. Now that, that may take some fleshing out. What does it mean to be fully trained? What does it mean to be fully trained? Well, let's look at a strategy, a strategy for becoming like Christ. And I think, I think we will we'll, uh, be able to answer that as we, as we get there. Before I talk about what we actually do, let me share some don'ts. So here's how not to become like Christ, okay? Okay. Um, in, in a book called How People Change by Timothy Land and Paul David Tripp, they, they talk about this thing called a gospel gap. Now, let me explain that a little bit as, as best I can. The church, they, they, they say that the church does a really good job of talking about Christ, talking about all that he did, talking about the salvation that's provided on the cross, talking about and, and, and teaching the resurrection and, and getting people to the point of salvation. We do a good job of that. And then we also point people toward heaven. And, and, and we talk about that Christ is coming again one day. He's coming to, bring the, to, to, to call the church to bring the bride to him, to spend an eternity with him. And the church highlights those two great, uh, the, really the, the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And we do a good job. But where many churches, you know, according to their research, have failed is in the day-to-day living. So someone's a Christian and they're looking forward to Christ's coming, but what do I do on Tuesday? What happens when I go to school? What happens when I, when I go into the office? What happens uh, every day during the week? How does this affect my life now? And that's what he's talking about when they, when they talk about the gospel gap. And so as, as I share that, uh, there, there is this gap and we have this need to to fill it. And so here are some things that they have identified, uh, that these, these two authors identified as what, what people will try to fill that gap. It's the gospel gap. So it's, you know, it's really the gospel. Uh, that's, that's where we go. But here's some things that, that we have used to try to fill these in. If, if you don't catch all of these right now, I can share a link with you later or share these with you later. But the first one is what they call formalism. Now, bear with me. Some of these words are made up, okay? But Paul and Dr. Seuss made up words, so we're in good company. All right, so formalism. This 
is the person that's maybe is a busybody. The church is reduced, or excuse me, the gospel is reduced to participation in the meetings and ministries of the church. Like if, if I'm just at church all the time getting stuff done and, and I'm, I'm, if, if, as long as I'm busy at the church, then, then, I'm, then I'm all right. Now, a lot of these things that I share will be good things, but they're not substitutes, okay? Uh, it's, it's good to be participating in the church, right, Aaron? We want people to come and be here and, and serve and, and be, be a part of what we're doing, but that in and of itself, that's, that's, not, that's not it. All right, the next one, legalism. Legalism is not just a reduction of the gospel. It is another gospel altogether. Just read the book of Galatians. Where salvation is earned by keeping the rules we have established. Listen, I heard a pastor one time describe what a legalist was, and, and this, is, this, is how, this is the way he, he described it. Uh, a legalist will not cross over a solid yellow line driving down the road, but they'll run a bicyclist right over, okay? Um, and so that, I, I thought that was a pretty good way to describe what a legalist is. Number three, mysticism. Mysticism reduces the gospel to dynamic emotional and spiritual experiences. I shared a story during the evangelism training a couple weeks ago about uh, a girl who was sharing her testimony, this is on the, on the mission field, who just talked about having this moment where she just felt closer to God. It was a great, wonderful experience to her, and she just felt closer to God. Hey, I'm glad that you feel closer to God, but when we're talking about the gospel, man, there's got to be some point of repentance and, and, and salvation, that you realize you're a sinner and that Jesus is the only way. It's not just that we have these great, wonderful experiences. That's, those are good. Those are not bad. Those, those are good things. But the gospel's more than that. Number four, activism. The gospel is reduced to participation in Christian causes. Man, there's all kinds of wonderful things that Christians should be participating in in our world. But that in and of itself is not the end either. There, you, you can do this and not be a Christian, by the way. Number five, biblicism. The gospel is reduced to a mastery of biblical content and theology. When we stand before the Lord one day, are we going to impress him with how many scriptures we can quote? Am I going to stand up and say, Jesus, uh, look, at all the, look at all the sermons I preached. Like, yeah, I endured those too. Um, but just knowing biblical content is not the answer. Again, not a bad thing. We should strive to understand Scripture. We should strive to make it a part of our life. But that's not all there is. Now, we really do get some, some new words here. Psychologyism. Psychologyism. The gospel is reduced to the healing of emotional needs where Christ is more of a therapist than a savior. Yes, we should strive to help people out emotionally, but that's not the end in and of itself either. And finally, this one is really a new word because it has a hyphen. Socialism. <laughs> the gospel is reduced to a network of fulfilling Christian relationships. I've got some friends, some colleagues in ministry who they are constantly looking to, to network that's kind of like their biggest thing is just to get more people that are in the ministry that I know and that know me. And um, 
you know, that, that we just need fulfilling relationships. If we can just have relationships that are Christ-like, then, then we'll be good. The, the whole sermon two weeks ago was about belonging to the church and developing those relationships. That's a good thing, but that's not the only thing. We have to come back to the cross. You have to go back to the empty tomb. That's what fills the gospel gap. These may be outworkings of that, but these do not replace salvation. I hope, that we, I hope we understand that. Sometimes we can work. This really becomes a works-based salvation when we look at it this way, that we're doing all these other things, but we've never actually submitted to Christ. We've never actually, and what I'll get to, taken on the mindset of a slave or a servant. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20. If you want to turn there, you, you can. I will eventually be in a, a larger text in John 13, but let's look at Matthew 20 for just a moment. Matthew 20, 27 through 28. You know, the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest, and uh, Jesus says this, Matthew 20, 27, whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Whoever is first must be your what? Servant or slave. Let's, let's try it again. Mine says slave, so I'll just have you say slave. Whoever is first must be your slave. Whoever's first must be your slave. That's, a, that's an interesting concept, Jesus. When you read other texts from the New Testament, when you read some of the church fathers, when you read epistles from Paul, from uh, James, the, the brother of Jesus, when you read these epistles in the New Testament, what you will find so often is they'll say, ah, James, a slave to Jesus Christ. They identify as such. So let me just say this. You are a slave. You are either a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. But you are a slave. But then someone might object, hey, wait a minute. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Absolutely. I'm not denying that at all. So how does this work? You know, that would be really interesting if I heard a train whistle right about now because I'm going to talk about trains. But anyway, a train, listen, is most free when it is a slave to the rails. You get that? If we remove the rails and we said, train, just go wherever you want to go. Go as quickly as you want to get there. Turn left, turn right. Just Abandon those rails. It would be literally a train wreck. A train is most free when it's a slave to the rails. Listen, the created is most free when we are slaves to the creator. The redeemed sinner is most free when we are a slave to the redeemer. You are either a slave to the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, or you're a slave to the one who brings life, abundant life. That's the picture that we have. <clears throat> this slave or servant mentality 
is what we must have if we are to grow in Christ's likeness. For you see, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And if I want to be like Jesus, then I have to put on the mentality of a servant and serve as well. But Jesus didn't just tell them this. He didn't just tell the disciples this. He showed it to them. Teaching to observe what I have commanded, right? The last week of Jesus' life here on earth, before the cross, the Passover is coming. Now, doing a little study with the students about, with, with Passover in Jesus' life and in his ministry, uh, there were three Passovers that took place the last three years of his life, of course, and in one of them, he overturned tables in the temple. That's, a, that's an interesting Passover, right? In another one, he was over in Galilee feeding people, and uh, they didn't like what he had to say. And so many disciples left that day. But this one, he is actually in Jerusalem. And I think the disciples are like, well, this is the third Passover. What are we doing this time? Are we going to throw some tables over? Or what? I mean, what's, what's happening? Jesus, here's a whip. We do, you didn't want you to have to make your own. Um, but he says, no, we're going to prepare... We're going to prepare for the Passover. So here they are. They're in Jerusalem. Oh, we're in the upper room. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. But we're in the upper room. The table is set. Da Vinci has already gotten our picture made on this side of the table. Look at John chapter 13, because I don't want you to miss this. John 13. Verse 1, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Listen, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. That he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing. He took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a the towel tied around him. He didn't say anything this time. He just got up and, and did what he had been teaching. Well, there's more. Uh, move, move down to verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed. If you do them. 
You see, Jesus gives us the picture of servanthood. He'd already told them the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And now, he's showing them. And I say them because it take, took place here with the disciples, but I believe he's also showing us. And what we know is in the next few hours, he's really going to show what it means to be a servant, to be a slave. Look, um, I want to take just a minute to, to talk about monkeys. Is that okay? Thank you. So the word prehensile means to grasp. And so the reason I'm talking about monkeys is because monkeys have a prehensile tail. And uh, that's where they can, they can grab. I could talk about giraffes, too. We're more familiar with monkeys, maybe. Giraffes have a prehensile tongue where they grab stuff and, and put it in their mouth. But, but prehensile means to, to grasp. And with prehensile as a root of the word, English has two derivations. There may be others. I know of two. Two derivations. One is comprehension. That is, we can think something. Another is apprehension, that we really are able to do something. Look, I can comprehend how to throw a curveball and strike out a major league batter. I have yet to apprehend it. I say yet. I mean, there's still a chance, right? But I, I can comprehend how that works, but I, I, I do not apprehend how that works. And so in, in our life as servants, we first comprehend what it means to be a servant, a slave of Christ. But then to apprehend it means we got to work it out. We've got to do it. We teach to observe one of, the, one of the mantras that I've heard in education is more is caught than what is taught. Now, that just depends on how you define what, what teaching is and what, what, is mean, what it means to have taught something. But here's just a few things to, just, just, just a few things to remember. Um, one is uh, don't, don't do things alone. What do I mean by that? Particularly like in, in your household. If you're going to write a card or a letter to someone in the church and you have children, why don't you let your child write one as well? Um, you're going to visit someone, bring somebody with you. Let them go with you to, to visit. I could, tell, I, I could tell you some horror stories about pastors that have told me the first time they visited people in the hospital, they got a whole book of what not to do and what not to ask for and what not to agree to see. And so... You know, learn, bring, bring somebody with you and, and teach to observe. Another is just simply this. Remember, you're a servant. I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I was told that there was a recruit that showed up at the, at the University of Alabama and sat down with, with Nick Saban, and he asked, he said, uh, Coach, what position do you think I'm going to play? And he said... You'll play wherever we tell you to play. But you see, that's, that's the idea of a, a, a servant. Where am I going to serve in your kingdom, Lord? <laughs> wherever I tell you to serve. Do I get to be up front? Do I get to be behind the scenes? Well, you'll serve wherever I tell you to serve because you are a servant. Remember, if you'd like, it, you know, if, if you wish to be like Christ, Find a place to serve. Come see Pastor Aaron. Come, come talk to me. And let's see if, if there's a place of, of service for you. We, look, 
I believe if you're part of the church, there is a place of service for you because we're expected to serve. So you don't just join a church and not be expected to serve. In fact, if you go through our new member course, that's part of what our new member class talks about. And we want to teach others to observe the commands of Jesus. Again, when I read about how to drive a stick shift, I didn't really learn it until I actually sat in the, sat in the seat and tried to drive. Be the church. Become like Christ. We become like Christ when we take on the mindset of a slave to Christ and serve the world around us. Now, I've talked a lot about being a servant. I've talked a lot about being a, being a slave this morning, serving, doing, to become like Christ. But here's the last picture I want to give you. is when your life is over, and you enter into eternity. Assuming you are a believer. Here's what, man, this is what I want to hear. Well done. My good and faithful, what? You know it, servant. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Let's pray, and then I'm going to, we're going we're gonna to sing one little song together, and maybe you can uh, just, just reflect and, and ask God, Lord, give me the mindset of a slave, of a servant, and help me to serve in your kingdom, becoming like Christ. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come in your house and worship this morning. We don't deserve anything this side of hell. And so, God, everything we have is a gift. Thank you for salvation for mercy, for grace. God, thank you for the opportunity to be a slave to Christ, to serve Christ, to serve the kingdom, to serve the church. God, that is a glorious and wonderful opportunity. Change my heart, change the way I think, and change what I do with my hands that I may serve the one who gives life. Father, thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for Jesus who makes it possible. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Would you stand up? And we're going to sing this. Just, just reflect and just spend some time with your creator. Allow him to speak to you and you respond as, as, uh, as he leads. Today is a happy day. We live in light of that. Amen. I'm glad that you were with us this morning. I, you want to share some, some words, some uh, announcements? Or, oh, fantastic.
it is a happy day, amen? It always, and each and every day is an opportunity for us to love the Lord Jesus and serve Him and serve others. And so it's also a happy day because we have a couple this morning that is coming uh, to join with us here at Northside in the work that God is doing. And so uh, Ron and Patty Pearson, if you all will stand up. There they are. I think you guys started worshiping with us right about the time we opened back up in May, and so they've been with us now for, for several months and had a chance to have a, a great conversation with them about a week and a half ago. Uh, they're moving their, their membership here by letter from First Baptist Church, Sweetwater, Florida. They lived in Mount Dora, Florida, which was about 30 minutes from where we lived. Our paths had never crossed, but when they came and I knew where they were from, I was like, what a small world, and so God has faithfully used them uh, out in California, Arizona, Florida. They've been faithful to serve Jesus Christ in a local church. Uh, and so they're coming here by letter, and they're going to begin to serve here right away. And so uh, we rejoice in that decision. And what I like to remind us of, every time somebody joins, I don't always express it, but when we have somebody who comes and says, hey, I'm, I'm belonging now here at Northside, it is our responsibility to love them, serve them, help them grow in the Lord, and they're making that same decision to help you grow in the Lord and to use their gifts and their talents. And so we are thrilled uh, to have you all. Um, usually what I like to do when somebody joins is I tell you to come by and shake a hand and hug a neck. And probably can't do that in these COVID days. So wave. Let them know when you see them next time. Hey, we love you. We're praying for you. At some point, uh, just be safe in, in that. Uh, just... One really important announcement, there's a lot of announcements in there I want to draw your attention to, but it is winter break here uh, in Coweta County, and so schools are out, and so because of that, we don't have any activities tonight or Wednesday night. Just want you to be aware of that. Uh, we got some people traveling, some people who are gone this morning. If you're going to be traveling, uh, be safe. Our family's heading down uh, this week to spend some time in Florida with Ron's mom and dad. So just be praying for us as we travel. Uh, if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. It's been a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to be dismissed with a word of prayer. Bill Morris is our deacon of the week, and so he's going to come and dismiss us. God, thank you for another Sunday that you brought us together. We're so grateful to hear your word, and we hope we glorified you today in this church. I want to thank you for the uh, easy availability in this country for, for your word, to be able to pick it up any time that we like. And Lord, I pray that this church would be fervent studiers of your word so that we may know it, that we may become joyful servants of you and your word, be able to teach your word, and then draw others closer to you. I pray that we live that out Sunday through Saturday, every week, all day. Pray for our safety until we meet again next week, and we thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.